0: Today's episode of The Watch is brought to you by Lion King on Broadway. From its all-star cast to cutting-edge technology and gorgeous visuals, The Lion King's release in theaters was huge. But an even better way to experience The Lion King is right on Broadway. Celebrating over 20 years on Broadway, it is still one of the most breathtaking productions ever brought to life on stage. The New York Times says there is simply nothing else like it. Now is the perfect time to go see The Lion King on Broadway and across North America on tour. Get tickets at lionking.com. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to today's episode of The Watch. Basically, all succession talk today. Greenwald came on in the first half of the show. We talked a little bit about the morning show trailer, the Apple TV Plus show with Reese Witherspoon, Jennifer Aniston, and Steve Carell that is debuting at some point and is about something. I guess it's about morning shows. I don't really know. There's voiceover. You can watch that trailer and hear Andy and I try to dissect why it is that Apple is not really showing us what's happening with this show. But it's interesting. It's huge megastars about like an important important story, the media, the modern media. So I, I guess it's it's a lot more dramatic than I think either of us anticipated. So we're going to talk a little bit about the morning show. We talked a little bit about... The first episode of the second season of Succession in broad strokes, and then you can listen to the rest of the pod, is me and Jason Concepcion breaking down the episode, uh, essentially line by line and piece by piece and character by character. So that will probably be the plan going forward on Mondays is a chit-chat about Succession. You can also listen to the Number One Boys show. You can watch Number One Boys on YouTube. You can watch it on Twitter. You can find it anywhere. That goes up after Succession airs on Sundays. And obviously next week, we'll probably be getting also very heavily into Mindhunter because it's only been, what, like three weeks since we last talked about Charles Manson? So let's get back into it. All right, let's get into this with Andy in today's episode of The Watch.
1: I need sports to have to clear the room.
2: Stand up and walk now.
0: Hello and welcome to The Watch. My name is Chris Ryan. I am an editor at TheRinger.com and joining me on the other line, he always pays fair market price for raccoon removal. It's Andy Greenwald!
2: But I also accept fair market price for raccoon placement. Oh, yeah, that that's right. Key. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How you doing? Yeah, man. Hey, buddy. Missed you um, for a week.
0: We were we were apart. I mean, we're always apart these days, but uh, I was uh, off last
2: week. You were on vacation. Seemed like you were doing well. Yeah,
0: I guess. I, I had a couple of real, like, reckonings on this trip, I have to admit. Did
2: you? Yeah. I I haven't heard this
0: yet. No, I mean there's so there's this beach in Tahoe called Sand Harbor. Very nice. Very cool. It's like you go to Tahoe and like it's about, I don't know, it's on the eastern side, kind of up towards the north a little bit. And it's got like all these little beaches and then it's got these cool rock formations out in the lake that you can swim up to and climb up and then dive off of. You know, and I love adventure. Everybody knows that about me. I'm kind of a I'm kind of an adventure sports guy. And You know, but like sometimes you're confronted with something and like you're having like almost a Proustian moment where you're like, I'm swimming up to the rock. And as a child, I would just like scale this rock and then leap into the cool waters. And yeah. so I should be able to do that at 41 too. You know what I mean? And it, it yeah. turns out you can't do it. You can't You can't no. go home again. I've fucking face planted almost off this rock trying to scale no. up it. Yeah. Meanwhile, all these like 12 year olds... Who look like they're cut out of like granite are just like leapfrogging me and like get out of the way, weird old man trying to climb on this thing. It was bu- it was a bummer. It was a bummer.
2: See what people people might not know about you, Chris, is that. Water is your natural habitat. Like <laughs> when it comes to athleticism, when it comes to joie de vivre, yeah. Like you take you take to uh, you take to open water like like fish to a fish tube. My you know name I mean? rings like,
0: out in the record books of Pennsylvania thirteen and under freestyle sprinters.
2: Yeah, I know. So the fact that this is you're finally hitting your wall is it's disheartening. It you happens know? to I all mean, of it, this, And man. you didn't even get like a, a a farewell season like Vince Carter and the Hawks. You <laughs> I know. know what I, mean? I know. Like it just. It just got taken away from you. I'm so sorry, but I should be able to go to, be a time to of rest.
0: I should go to like a bunch of bodies of water and have them present me yeah. with like gifts, <laughs> you know, for my appreciation for my career, like Dwayne Wade.
2: Oh my God. It would be amazing if you went to the Jersey shore <laughs> and they shut down the Jersey shore so they could run a tribute video on the jumbotron of you at the Jersey shore. And just right? people and giving me saltwater taffy. Yeah. <laughs> I shower you in saltwater taffy. How are you? I mean, I have nothing to follow that up with. I'm fine. Thank you for asking. I'm I'm speaking to you from my office. We're shooting on stage today. We are in the the final days of of the episode five and six block, and we start episode seven on Wednesday. Um, I just have, the only personal business I have is that, you know, over the weekend, I made an appearance on another podcast. You did. uh, On a podcast we both love and admire, The Rights to Ricky Sanchez, the only Philadelphia 76ers podcast in the world. And you were a veteran of that podcast. I and I was honored to finally be invited onto it. And uh, I believe there was some reaction, you know, in, in the Baransky community. Why do I have time for a basketball podcast when I'm barely able to make time for you? And, and the those were is, all my
0: burner accounts.
2: Those, those dudes record mad early on weekend. Yes. Yeah. And that's the only, like, I, listen, I would be on the watch on the reg if we were just like Saturday morning, 8am-ing it.
0: You know, Kaya and I, nothing would give us more joy than waking up at like like a 6am a, like a call time Saturday to just chat TV. But I think we're just going <laughs> to, you know, we're going to keep it the way it is. Me and Kaya, our, our Saturday mornings are really busy. Hey, when you are shooting on a soundstage, like you are today, yeah. do you yeah. ever say to yourself, why didn't I write this entire show on a soundstage?
2: Uh, I believe I'm on record of already saying that to (laughs) you. (laughs) I am fairly confident that I have said that. It is a treat. Although (laughs) I'll I'll say we are filming a very uh, involved fight scene today. And uh, I I can't say any more than that, but the actor involved was very, very relieved to have it in the rearview mirror because it was intense, intense choreography. And this person, he or she... No, okay. Was extremely winded. Like, it's very, very challenging.
0: Yeah. can imagine I if they had the to words, do it outdoors.
2: And I believe that, well, this heat, and I believe the words, this may be the third time I've puked from exhaustion, was said early on. <laughs> like, take one or two.
0: I'm trying to guess who it is.
2: It's. It was Ed Asner.
0: <laughs> it was Kim Dickens, yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Um, um so but, the thing uh, is- but otherwise things are good.
0: Good. Okay. So yes, obviously you can check Andy out on, on uh the oh, Rights Framey Oh yeah.
2: I may have some there may be some Briar Patch news to share on Thursday's show. Oh I'm, great. Just, I'm just telling you that now. You're so gonna break some can, news? Can, maybe. Okay. I mean, we'll, we'll work it out. I know I know I know Kaya's recording schedule is pretty her window is pretty narrow from what it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, well, so <laughs> I don't want to put you guys out. <laughs> we
0: we could save that for, for the Saturday one too. Um so today, Andy, I just wanted to talk a little bit about the morning show trailer, which dropped. It's Apple Plus's. I think it's yes. fair to say that this is the flagship show of a network with no Navy. Does that that make sense? Am, am I using my I, m- my naval a- analogies right?
2: Well, you know, I'm big on naval analogies. <laughs> and you throw me now because I'm trying to come up with one. What is an example for a country's Navy where there is no Navy, there's no boats, they live adjacent to water, and we're not really sure what the country is doing. Right.
0: That's what What's Apple TV Plus is right now in our minds. Because we've seen limited amounts of footage. I think there was a trailer for the Ronald D. Moore show about the yes. space race. For uh,
2: all mankind.
0: For all mankind. And then today we got a one-minute and one and, an and eight-second teaser for the morning show, which uh, is based on Brian Stelter's book, Top of the Morning and uh it stars most importantly it stars Jennifer Aniston Reese Witherspoon and Steve Carell and this was kind of their big foray into into content and it was like it was a show of force to say we can get one of the biggest television stars ever one of the biggest movie stars in the world one of the and the, one of the other biggest movie stars in the world and Carell Witherspoon and Aniston and <clears> they'll <throat> play ball with us and i but the thing was nobody ever really was like what's what's this show about and what's it going to be like And we didn't really get that much more information from this teaser.
2: I mean, far be it from me to tell the most valuable company in the history of the earth, how to do their business. (laughs) However, since this is a podcast, um, I would have advised against releasing a vague nothing burger of a trailer for a show that no one actually believes exists for a service that no one understands. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I feel like at a certain point, the rubber's got to meet the road, and you gotta like show us a TV show, or show us what you want out of a TV show, what you, what we should expect from your TV shows. And you know, we used to joke that Apple didn't seem to actually be in the TV business; they were in the press release business because announcing a project like this with all these glittery stars and, and uh, high-minded intention is a great way to signal to the town, not uh, the one that you recently featured on the rewatchables, but Hollywood that you're in business, and this is the kind of like high-level business you intend to do. This is now, that was a year ago, two years ago. It's August. I think the last we heard about this Apple TV+, Plus, great name, was that it was going to debut sometime this fall, and you'd watch it somehow. Why can't we see more than that, right? Because the one thing that this tells us is that these are the people who are in it and it's about the thing we knew that it was what what's the tone what's the what's the goal we don't know and what actually weirded me out is i i, I don't know why it got in my head maybe it's the the talent that they assembled that i did think there was going to be some element of not a workplace comedy That's but what I something thought. something pitched up a little bit you know to to take full advantage of both the cast and also the kind of inherent ridiculousness of taking a morning show too seriously. But this appears to have the comedic intention of the West Wing crossed with the newsroom. Yeah. Which is a very dangerous corner to stake out.
0: There's a couple of parts about this that feel just like, did this get vetted enough? Like, for for instance, that's fine if you want to try and do something like that, but typically morning news programs are not where people go for their hard news. Obviously, in moments of crisis, like I think if it's, if it's on, the people who are hosting morning shows are covering those things. I'm not saying that's not the case. And there's good journalism done on those shows, I'm sure. But uh, the fact that I'm 41 and I don't think I've watched a morning news show ever doesn't bode well for like this being a relevant show for a lot of younger people at all. Right.
2: Right. Yeah. Like, it, I'm not sure. It, like, like this don't... is a
0: weird, this is such a strange first boat to push out into the harbor if we can continue our naval well, analogies that don't make any sense.
2: Well, but appreciating the um the difference between being in the press release business and being in the content business is that who are you trying to impress and who are you trying to attract? Getting this talent into this this glorious package without you know the, the person who initially was announced as uh, being the person who was going to adapt it and write the show is not the person who ended up writing it. This is all a really, really smart, splashy play. The challenge comes when then you actually have to face uh, the consumers, not just other people in the business. And then then that question of well, who is your audience for this comes into play. Now, I, I've read the book that it's based on, the Brian Stelter book, mm-hmm. and I really enjoyed it. And what was interesting to me about it was about the still vibrant intimacy that exists between uh, these hosts and these franchised morning shows and millions of Americans. Sure, clearly not. 41-year-old aquatic rock climber, Chris Ryan, but others. And (laughs) that trust and relationship is really fascinating to me. But, I mean, look, the fact that we're asking these questions is the problem. We are in no way prejudging the show itself. Who knows what it's going to be? We are prejudging the show because they didn't
0: show us any. It's it's a a series of shots of, like, a newsroom and a set with Jennifer Aniston, Reese Witherspoon, and Steve Carell's VO. And what they're talking about is their journalistic integrity. And that— that that signals that this is not they're not leading with the idea that this can be a snazzy updated version of broadcast news which was about journalistic integrity but for but the forward facing part of broadcast news was also the interpersonal relationships between Holly Hunter and Albert Brooks and William Hurt
2: yeah and it had a sort of a winking at least you know a self awareness and i think that the the one concern about apple creatively from again from the town sorry gross barf was that what is their brand and what is their sensibility? And some of the early word, and we talked about this in a podcast a year ago, was that their their brand was going to be earnestness, right? Like they wanted to make, they wanted to be in business with Spielberg for a reason. They wanted big ticket, big tent, earnestness, uplifting stories. And that's, that's a choice. And it's an interesting choice for this subject matter. And listen, I, as someone who, sooner rather than later is going to be harshly prejudged for a trailer. I want to be very delicate here because a trailer is just a trailer. But when it is a question mark on top of three other question marks, then I think it becomes fair game, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about something that we can chew on a little bit, and that was the first episode of the second season of Succession. So we're talking about this now. Obviously, the second half of this pod is going to be the audio from me and Jason Concepcion's after show, Number One Boys, that we put up last night after the episode aired. That will happen throughout the season of Succession, so you can check that out, and then we'll have the audio on the watch for people who don't get a chance to watch the video. And we kind of go through a bunch of our favorite lines and bits and the moves there, but I wanted to talk, like, kind of big picture with you, first about, like, how you felt about the first episode, and then I, I had a couple of, a couple of conversation starters for you
2: after that. Great. I have to tell you, I loved it. I was so happy to have it back to a degree that I didn't expect. Like, obviously, you guys in the office and, and, and you and Jason, you've been thinking about it, processing it, hyped for it. The Ringer's been doing a, a hell of a lot of good coverage of the show and, and, and you know, the, the, its place in the firmament as it's coming back. But I've been, as listeners of this podcast, no better than anyone not watching television and not really plugged in. That's the so stuff. I was almost surprised that it was time already. And when I turned it on, I didn't, Remember where I was emotionally with it. I hadn't had any, any time to even sort of look backwards and 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 try to reconnect. And I was jazzed, man. I, there was something about the, the the I mean, coming back, beginning a season at any point is always an enormous challenge, and obviously a lot of decision making has to go into it. The second season after a successful first season is especially fraught, and the pressure is on. And the the decision that Jesse Armstrong and his writers made to start on Kendall submerged in potentially boiling water, <laughs> uh, in fucking Iceland, which was a which was a galactic level flex by HBO's budget, uh, by their business affairs department. But the the slowly rising anxiety, terror, and emotional dread that was baked into that entire opening was everything that I think made the first season electric condensed into these moments that immediately got you back on board and it didn't even culminate in the stress nosebleed. You know what I mean? It it was, to my mind, everything that I do love about the show, which is that it is excruciating and exhilarating in equal measure.
0: You know, a lot of the times I think we're trying to pull and stretch TV into all these different directions, especially like the way we talk about it. And we're kind of always being a little bit like, well, what's what's really new about this, or why is this necessary, or what's this doing that other shows don't do? And I think that Succession is obviously a pretty, in some ways, it's groundbreaking. In some ways, it does some things that I haven't seen before. But for the most part, what Succession does is be Succession at an elite level, you know. And yeah. the second season thing is is challenging for a lot of TV shows, and a lot of TV shows buckle under it, especially if they're really conceptual. Whether it's Westworld or what have you, you know, the the idea of sustaining a certain level of um, narrative intensity around whether it's mm-hmm. plot twists or adhering to the rules that you've sort of set up in this world. And succession doesn't really have to do that. It just has to be the best version of what it is. And so they can do what is essentially uh, a, a soft reset. Like they're essentially back to the yeah. place where Logan is the paterfamilias deciding how to divide up his kingdom. Kendall is a mess and the other kids are sort of angling for his attentions, for Logan's attentions while the vultures are circling. And if we learned anything from the first season, it's to not take this show at face value in the first few episodes of a season. That a lot of twists and turns are going to come and a lot of characters are going to emerge in different ways. And that's what's so exciting about it.
2: I I, I agree. And I think that you know, obviously, at this point, I can't think about making TV without thinking about making TV or watching TV without thinking about making it. And I, but I feel like that was the case when, when I was more actively being a critic as well. And I, and and I, and I think to me, what it comes down to is that Succession loves being Succession. It really takes pleasure in being the show that it is. Yeah. The language, the stakes, everything is pitched a little bit up, and it's pitched up in a way where you can feel the pleasure from the performers, you can feel the pleasure from the writers, and advantage of of the the world that it's created for itself I mean why not begin with Roman and Jerry in Tokyo uh, <laughs> or it would appear to be some sort of Japanese hospital um, you know the, the, it, it operates on a global level and obviously that was not actually shot in Tokyo but the the ambition of it and the scale of it Um, that they can be spread out all over the globe, still being in touch with each other and affecting each other and then be brought back over pizza in a dining room on Long Island is the best version, the best sort of spread wings version of the show. And similarly, like the, what you mentioned is the reset. I mean, this is just kind of what happens in second seasons, And it may seem a little bit TVE in a way that could be off-putting to mm-hmm. some who expect everything to just sort of churn and churn and, and grow and grow frenetically like a Breaking Bad did. But it's also just smart and it's just, and, and it's yeah. self-aware. Kendall right? wasn't going to become Father is,
0: John Misty, you know, like it's like they're going to mm-hmm. come, they're going to bring these people back to some sort of like mm-hmm. starting line.
2: When you make a first season of a show, you're trying to tell every single thing that you have to tell about these characters because you might never get a second chance. Mm-hmm. When you get the second chance, the odds are much greater that you're also going to get a third, fourth, and fifth chance. And so a second season premiere really is a second pilot because now you're going to be paced differently. Now you're going to be approaching the whole story differently. You'll take your time. And you can look at that as a bad thing or you can look at it as enjoyable. Um, I appreciated that they pushed Kendall off the wagon within 10 minutes because I'd rather watch this story than have the agonizing, holding it together, white-knuckling it for five episodes for the inevitable flip back. Now, ask me again if that starts how season three starts, right? How but it even his, but,
0: his recidivism is kind of, it kind of makes sense in regards to the fact that he, the guilt that he's carrying around. It would be incredibly difficult to go through the recovery process in earnest if you couldn't actually make amends for the thing that you need to make amends for.
2: I agree. And, I, and, I, and the other subtle things that I really started to appreciate in this episode was the, um, I think the show is making understands its actors better and understand they understand the actors understand the characters better. And uh, Jeremy strong is such a profoundly different actor than Kieran Culkin. Like they almost shouldn't exist in the same media, but now each has become such a, uh, fully realized and actualized dug in version of himself on the show that when they meet it, 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 it's a collision that creates sparks, not a dull thud. Yeah. You know, I, I really like
0: that moment when Roman's like, come on, fight back. Yeah, because yeah, like that's not something yeah. that I think necessarily would have happened in the first season. I think it was all like, we're just going to throw 99-mile-per-hour fastball after 99-mile-per-hour fastball and just kind of get a lot of like action going that way. And this time, there are these little dips and little crevices where you can find character in a really interesting way. And, and that's probably it, best ex- exemplified in the Shiv-Logan scene. The Shiv-Logan scene is, is
2: worth the whole thing of admission. I mean, I, I think that there are legitimate criticisms to be, to be made about the episode. I think most of them I would put in the category of, this was a slow starter in season one, so sure. they've earned the benefit of the doubt. Like what's at stake, me, I thought,
0: basically, is is, the, I, I, is not there. But also, I
2: thought some of the language was not like A-plus level, like there was just a lot of, there was a lot of fuck offs and a lot of swearing and not as many, it smells like the cheesemonger's dick broke off in the brie, <laughs> which, you know, <laughs> they can't all be that, but yeah. that was a pretty good one. But the, the Shiv Logan scene was, was really everything I like in, in the show, and not just because you know, I think Sarah Snook is just a genius and just ready to be uncorked. But like the range of emotions in her reaction, which was both performance and self-protection and avarice and hunger and resentment and ecstasy all at once, while, all, while Brian Cox just pretends to be the wall she's playing handball against just terrific yeah it's, just, and, it's terrific and it's electric and it's fun man
0: and the visual language of the show perfectly complements those performances because it, the cameras just get out of the way and they're like let's just let this scene go let's go let's like just sort of hide out here in the corner or hide out behind his shoulder and let these two just kind of have a father-daughter moment that is also let like weighed down with deception and possible betrayal and faints one way or the other and then you get to the end of it and you're like is this a fucking sincere emotional moment on succession am i supposed to be feeling yeah. this so yeah it's it was it was really excellent i i can't wait to to see where the season goes and friggin' holly hunter and cherry jones are going to be on it so it's it's kind of like what more do you want from life
2: yeah, there was there was there was that feeling of like, oh well now we know what the show is and now we can get the actors to come on to it. Like Danny Houston isn't Holly Hunter, but he's a pretty decent actor, and then for him to just sort of sidle up to the bar and and just, you know, drain some threes on Brian Cox <laughs> yeah. was pretty exciting.
0: Hey, I was gonna ask you, like, on set, do people are people like, Hey, did you guys watch Succession last night?
2: Um not yet today, but we had a really early start. Maybe things will warm up in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. Um hasn't come up. There okay. was definitely are there like lots uh, of like
0: conversations about like what did you got what have you been watching, or is this just literally the providence of you and me?
2: Uh, it's a good question. There have been times when there's been more free flowing conversation about what people have been watching. Um I think today was kind of technical that people were a lot more focused and there's also, it was just like an, a a scene between two actors, not uh, a larger group, Mm -hmm. but there was like a lot of chatter about euphoria. People were asking, people were talking about that, checking in on that. Um, did you ever wind up watching that at all? No, not even a, not even a frame. (laughs) I mean, like the degree to which I want to explain, say the word no to you is so strong and, and without any reason. I mean, it's, I'm sure it's interesting. Just, uh, uh Chris, have you, um, have you ever seen Queer Eye? Yeah. Yeah. I, I heard it's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good, man. <laughs>
0: um, okay. Well, we've gotten to the bottom of the barrel then, I guess, unless you want some more Tahoe stories.
2: Listen, you would just be proud of me because I did, I was writing, uh, rewriting episode nine all weekend and, um. I finished. Thank you very much. And uh, the one little furlough I gave myself was to the used bookstore here. And I scored not only I sent this to you, not only did I score a signed copy of James Crumley's The Wrong Case, which is very exciting, but because I was just, you know, I I just saw it and I thought of you. I grabbed um, Charles McCary's uh, Old Boys. Oh, yeah. Have you read that one?
0: I have. That's the later
2: one, right? It's, so people don't know from our double down days, like McCary is, we think is one of, if not the greatest spy, American spy novelist ever. And, uh, and then he just couldn't stop writing books about his stoic hero, Paul Christopher, who just, you know, does 10 years in a Chinese labor camp. Like it's nothing. Yeah. And I just started this book and I was like, I don't have time to read another book. And the first page is like dinner at Paul's cold watercress soup, cold roast beef, and a decent Oregon Pinot Noir. And we talked about the old days in Uzbekistan. I was like, okay. And then like 50 the pages later? Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I, yeah,
0: fi- I finished... Sometimes
2: we like what we like.
0: I finished Somebody's Darling as... Uh, Great. Right. But we have to... Like, are we saving those takes for what will likely be the blockbuster Larry McMurtry pod of the future.
2: Yeah, I think we need to save it for like back to school. Yeah, no, that's a good one.
0: That would be a good one for Kaya to record on Saturday morning at like 5.30 a.m. Just two guys talking about Larry McMurtry novels from the 70s.
2: But to be clear, she has to come in from Redondo (laughs) to record
0: it. And yeah, okay, cool. And she has to read Lonesome Dove, even though we're not talking about Lonesome Dove.
2: And then... Also, I'm... I'm putting you on blast again on in public on this podcast. We got to get your dates. You got to come here to the desert, man. I got a snake hole with your name on it.
0: <laughs> is that e- any easier than climbing rocks in in Lake Tahoe?
2: Um emotionally it's hard to be <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Physically it is much easier to be here. I have a catered lunch in front of me right now. It's not that bad. We'll
0: bring you back here for Thursday. You got some Briar Patch news hopefully co- forthcoming and we'll we'll have some other stuff to talk about. We've got Succession with me and Jason. Are the audio from our after-show? Number one boys is coming up next, probably next week. Just as a heads up, we will be very heavy Succession and very heavy Mindhunter. Mindhunter is back on August sixteenth.
2: Oh Dude, Mindhunter is back, and Glow is back. This, is, is, this back. is a lot. So for you've August. got
0: a ton Ooh. of television to maybe watch.
2: Yes, I just want you to know, I'm definitely thinking about maybe watching it. Great. That's why you count on me, your number one, most trusted source. <laughs> Have a good day, man. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, everybody. Bye, Baranskis.
0: Today's episode of The Watch is brought to you by Discount Tire. When was the last time you thought about your tires? Tires are what makes the difference in how your car feels and drives. Since 1960, Discount Tire has been keeping customers safe by taking care of all your tire and wheel needs. With over 1,000 locations across 34 states, their main focus is your safety and the safety of everyone else on the road. Discount Tire provides tire rotations, balancing, free flat repairs, free air checks, and more. And because safety is so important, they provide free tire safety inspections. Discount Tire also has the lowest prices on the best and largest selection of tires and wheels. They'll even make personalized recommendations for you based on your zip code and driving preferences. Whether you need an air check or a set of tires and wheels, Discount Tire can help you get back on the road with peace of mind and change to spare. Visit DiscountTire.com to shop, research, and purchase your tires today. You can even make an appointment to skip the lines. That's DiscountTire.com. Discount Tire. They'll get you taken care of. What is up, sex robots? This Uh, is number one, boys. A succession after show from The Ringer. My name is Chris Ryan. This is my partner in high finance crime,
1: Jason Concepcion. What's up, man? Um, You know, I'm just back from Iceland where I've been, you know, just... Mud baths. Relaxing, trying to chill out from some light manslaughter. Uh, (laughs) Some light vehicular manslaughter. You know, I just need a little straightener right now to get right for this show, but I am so excited to talk about Succession being back in our lives.
0: Yeah, so what we're going to do for this is we're not going to do like hardcore, they eat dinner, then they go to this room, then they go to that room, recappy stuff. We're kind of just going to basically give out a series of awards by you know, just getting in a pod and floating above That's the episode, right? Just right? should be highly leveraged. Jason and I, it's not, you know, not a lot of people know this, but we have really deep ties to the world of finance, right. the world of economics. We have uh, uh, slightly uncompleted degrees in both um, macro right. and microeconomics and free economics that's
1: right I, st- I uh, did two and a half years at the uh, Royal Economic School of Antigua and I'm um, I'm ready for this yeah I'm ready my University of Phoenix degree is uh, kind of
0: an escrow right now right. so we have a couple of debates going on about who owes who what but like when that comes in I'm gonna open up my uh, my hedge fund and I'm that's taking right. investors so let's talk a little bit about where we left last season, which was obviously Kendall goes down <laughs> in
1: flames, uh, Logan Roy resumes control of his company. Stronger than ever, seemingly, after a, a, an attempt at a leveraged buyout by his son, who, as you mentioned, uh, you know, got into some light manslaughter. Yes, yes. And fronting a deal for Stewie, who was his longtime friend, and running,
0: running mate, and Sandy, who is set up as like Logan's chief rival in the That's world right. of media and rat fucking uh, and then so we get into you know we have all the other characters Connor wants to run for president nice. Gil, uh, Shiv is running Gil's campaign for president Roman is blowing up satellites only
1: one only one satellite
0: <laughs> so there's a lot going on with the Roy family and the second season pretty much picks up right where the last one left yep. off
1: Kendall's in rehab Kendall's of, and rehab of a, of a sort Roman is dealing with the fallout from the uh, blown up rocket and telecommunication satellite investigation in Japan ongoing yep uh, Jerry is busy running the company for everyone yeah Logan seems stronger than ever yes yes A- and Connor is uh, you know nursing his uh, political <laughs> his <laughs> political ambitions slowly along and also uh, collecting. Napoleonica. Con- Connor is sort of being set up as sort of a charmless Marianne Williamson. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Extremely charmless. <laughs> Extremely. It's the negative orb gang. Yeah. Uh, so what we're going to do to kind of get into this episode, Summer Palace, the first episode of the second season of Succession, is buy and sell, just like the oh, characters I love to get into the markets and play around a little bit. So let's start with buy. Jason, who are you
1: buying? Well, as you know, as a financial expert, as you know, <laughs> you buy at the low point and you sell at the high point. Can I write that down? Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's how that's how you I, make your nut in this at biz. The low point. So I I
0: should not have liquidated my no. my four hundred one k on well, on Apple stock.
1: It depends. Okay. You, like, being liquid is good. You want to be mobile. You want to be liquid. You want to be flexible. I have a lot of my my currency tied up in sort of emerging cryptocurrencies. cryptocurrency, so that's a
0: cryptocurrency fine. that hasn't actually got like a right. like a solid foundation of code yet. Like weed
1: coin. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: If I see a Facebook ad and it's like I'm in. an advertisement for
1: a new crypto, I like to just pump a few God, thousand. I, lo- in I love crypto. Um, I'm gonna buy Shivroy, the I agree potential successor to Logan as chief executive of Waystar. A um, lot of questions: Is this a legit deal? Is right. this real? She asks, "Is this real?" And and Logan is like, "Remember this? The slant of light. This is it, Shiv." Um, perhaps a betrayal coming, but I like where she's at. I think she's, uh, you know, she's headed this way. I'm, I'm buying Shiv. This show is so corrosively cynical and sarcastic yeah.
0: that when there is a strangely unexpected human moment, like Shiv tearing up as her yeah. dad finally gives her... The sense of affirmation that she's probably been looking for for most of her life from him—that's weirdly affecting. It really was the fact that in the other room, guys are talking about Napoleon's dried penis. Uh, (laughs) I have on my
1: buy list as well. Shiv, who's your next buy list? Uh, Stewie, baby. Yeah, man. Listen, Stewie, uh, pound for pound, maybe has the most fire lines of anyone. Yes. In this show, everything he says is—it just nails it. Puts a button on it. And Stewie as the front man for Sandy's money and hostile, hostile attempted takeover of Waystar, I think we're going to see a lot of Stewie, and he's just going to be out here We can't see see too much of Stewie. Cannot see too much of him. And he also has this funny relationship to Kendall where
0: he's both the devil and the angel on Kendall's shoulder. Right. Where he's like,
1: let's do a ton of blow, but then he's also like, why can't you just talk to me? Like, there's a real human being card to play here. The fact that he's out here being like, you can play a friend card. You know that, right? Like, you just need to tell me that. And yet... In season one, when when Ken is like, I can trust you, right? Stewie's a straight up like, no. <laughs> yes. No, Ken. You can't no. You can't trust me. My second buy, and this is somebody
0: that I've had my eye on since the middle of the last of the first season, yes. is Marsha. We do not really know a lot about her, but there's a crucial moment in the second episode, the first episode of the second season where, you know. Logan is kind of whining a little bit. He's kind of like shuffling around and he's just like, maybe I should sell. Laird, my my financial advisor told me to sell. And she's just like, oh yeah, you should sell. Maybe you should sell because you're an old man and maybe you should just rest. And it's obvious that like the (laughs) verse psychology really plays a part because he eyeballs her in the, the final dinner yeah. scene where he's like, I'm staying, we're going to be the last standing legacy media conglomerate in the world. It's So I, I, I'm always just wondering what Marsha's long game here is. Uh,
1: it's a great point. Um, and aside... We're going to see a lot of Laird, huh? You don't cast Danny Houston. No, you you don't
0: just have him sit
1: there. Yeah, Yeah, we're going to see a lot of Laird. I like that a lot. Yeah, Marsha is, listen, she is in for a penny, in for a pound with Logan. She's not just going to let the kingdom, like, evaporate. Right, right. Um, What about selling? Um, Selling, I have a couple of things. One is I'm selling on Hampton's contractors. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think he did it? Did I, do I think he put raccoons in the chimney? Do you do you think he put three raccoons in a garbage bag and put them in the chimney? I feel like that might be Chekhov's contractor <laughs> and he comes back in,
0: later in the season for some reason. But I also think that that was partially an exercise of pure power where he's oh, just yeah. like, I'm going to pay you one third of what I actually right. owe you. I'm going to blame you for something with no evidence linking you to the crime other than the fact that you had access
1: to the house. And if you want to sue me, sue me. My guy worked for the Justice Department. I will say, it's three raccoons, one for each, one for each hundred thousand that he was supposed to pay. Yes,
0: I. I, I so th- that seems like a really bad beat. Anecdotally, yeah, um, I have never really like chased down the story, but there is even like a thing in my family where I think like an uncle of mine did like a ton of air conditioning work for Harrods. Ooh, this is actually probably. Uh, Libellous. Allegedly. Never got paid. He never got paid and it drove him nuts. Wow. Yeah, good story. Unbelievable. (laughs) Um, What else are you selling?
1: I'm selling, now this is going to be, I think a little, this is a hot take, but I'm selling Logan Roy. Logan Roy. So
0: you're selling high. I'm selling high.
1: This is like his peak. He's vital. Yeah. He's strong. Chris Davis hitting 40 homers. That's it. We're seeing absolutely None of the symptoms of whatever it was that yeah. happened to him last season. Storming around, storming around peeing on floors, uh, pouring coffee and forgetting to stop pouring, slapping children, we're seeing none of that. He is ready for a fight and I got and I'm selling high. I think this is, so this you, is
0: so the strongest I think, we're going to see him. I think that this show is at its best when everybody is at their strongest. When everybody is oh, like yeah. a viper. You know, yeah. and like, I even think, we'll get into Kendall, obviously, but <laughs> part of the reason why some people were like, oh, it took me a couple episodes to get into succession, it's like, it's because Logan was incapacitated. That's right. That's because he was in the hospital. Once yes. he's up and running, this show jumps up a level. Yeah. But you think this is as, bit, as good as it's going to get. I think
1: that we're going to see Logan start to fall apart at some point. Maybe not in the ne- in the first half of the season, but in the back end. This is going to be a vicious fight to the death. And Sandy's ready for it. I'm selling Park Coke. Not personally.
0: <laughs> That's Eww. not what I meant.
1: Eww. But that is
0: like the world of succession obviously gets the financial details really well. But just little things. If you are a New Yorker, you are familiar with the idea. Allegedly. Of drugs in the park. Yeah. And, and them being offered to you. And even some, somebody from out of town would probably be like, I bet this guy. This guy seems cokey. Yeah. Now, I don't know about that. I don't know either. But I'm just saying that that is a thing that happens in New York. And I thought they got that detail very right. That that is
1: exactly the kind of place that Cousin Greg, the motherfucking egg... Greg the egg. To go get drugs. He's looking for that backup source and just started walking through Tompkins Square Park like eyeballing dudes. <laughs> so we've got our buying and selling. Oh, I got one more sell. Oh, go. go, go. Kendall. I'm going to sell Kendall so because... You
0: think this is. Do you think this is I as good as it gets I don't think it's...
1: A, well, I think he comes back stronger. All I'm saying is that body, the body of that poor young man, it's out there lurking. That case is going to hang over him. And... There is no way that stays that that it comes out. It's coming out.
0: He killed a guy. That scene with the security was Colin, the security director in the laundry room, where he's oh, like, yeah. I just want you to know. Some serious Michael Clayton vibes. That I know everything about this. Yeah, and that like, there are a couple of people in the information loop that we've got control over. Yeah, he's like. But that is such a flex to just be like, don't
1: even think about it. It was an unbelievable flex. And like, and yeah, uh, and uh, when they found him, his uh, he had unbuckled his seatbelt, so he was still alive at the time of the crash. He had to be alive to do that. And then Kendall's just like, oh, okay. <laughs> do you think
0: that guy immediately called into Francesa after that? <laughs> he's like, uh, yeah, Mike, uh, listen, I don't know about uh, uh, a You think he's a uh, in, in the in the fall? <laughs> Anyway. Uh, all right, so that's who we're buying and selling yes. this season. Let's talk a little bit about our next segment, the number one the boy. The number
1: one boy.
0: Basically, this is our MVP of the week. That's right. This is the person we think has won the week. And we talked a little bit about it in Buy and Sell, but I'm going to go with shit. So, there's a way in which Succession could just keep on going on yes. the way it is. And like every week, there's uh, a little bit of up, a little bit of down, people ripping into each other. Yeah. Play. The reason why I thought this show really separated itself from everything else last season was the character of Kendall pushing him out on the plank and then actually pushing him into the ocean and seeing what happened with that. And I kind of wonder if Shiv is the new Kendall, which would make Shiv our number one boy of the week. Because what if they took each season and focused on one of the Roy kids and their psychology and their life and what was happening with them? And I kind of wonder whether Shiv would be like a really good experiment for
1: this. I 100% agree. I think back to the uh, scene in the boathouse from last season where it's the, the Roy children minus Connor. Yeah. And you really see that for the first time, a kind, of you know, they're all vampires and vipers, but in that moment you saw a, like a real emotion, a real human emotion and kind of like an actual familial bond from them. And you saw it in that moment where, uh, where... She is offered the chief executive role, and I think having that empathy for her is just setting us up for some real dark stuff. I mean, she is lying to Gil, who she is advising, who she is supposed to tell everything to. She's lying to her husband, Tom Wamsgams, the great Tom Wamsgams. He's ready for the big boy pants. Ready for the big boy pants. (laughs) Uh, It's great to see it. Real pinnacle for her, and... The knives are out. It's somewhere the knives are out. It keeps her
0: on the inside pissing out. Yes. Which is where he wants her. He does not want her advocating for basically liquidating the company and getting rid of everything like independent movie studios and news and just keeping it. And video game consoles and things that make money. So, yeah, keep an eye on Shiv this year because I think that. This show could be excellent if it was just Kendall doing a faceplant every other episode, but I wonder whether or not sustainability questions come into play there. So that's who our number one boy is. It's Shiv. Uh, Let's get into our next segment. So succession's complicated. That's right. They pull no punches when it comes to the economics, when it comes to the finance stuff. That's right. And I think it might be easy for the layman, your everyday Joe, to get lost. In this dream, and that's why Jason and I are here. When we thought Lucky about for you. wanting to do an after show, it wasn't just to be part of the television conversation. No. It was because we felt like we were sitting on right. like basically assets of our own, and we that have, was our financial brains. It's a, it's a wealth. It's a treasure trove of knowledge, and we want to share it. We want to invest in you. That's right. the thing. So we're going to talk about some of the terms in uh, the show this week. That's right. Jason, why don't we start with poison pill which Whoa, man Logan briefly mentions to the CFO in a meeting and how to explain a poison pill you have to think of it as a pill right? right and let's start there right so and you you go to a CVS or a Rite Aid and something you look at the aisles right. and you're like I need a pill There's various like, pills you don't necessarily want one that's poisoned though. right because if the poison is bad that's right so if you have something that's not good for you right that would be poisonous and right. that would, if you have a pill form that would be a poison pill I don't think that that would be good. It's a negative. So, yeah, like okay, take a macro view, right? right. So thirty thousand feet up, you're looking down, and you see. It's like think about Jeremy Lin, great Daryl Morey, Morey Ball, Moneyball, Billy Bean, Billy Bean, advanced metrics, efficiency, and 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 threes and layups. That's right. So I think
1: that's pretty covered. What do you got for financial one on one? Asset swap. This is what uh, Logan, uh, you know, in. Like the trade machine, right? Before Logan, uh, you know, Logan is talking t- through Kendall to Sandy and says, "Hey, how about an asset swap first? So assets are it, both sides have assets. Sure, one and in, they want and it's they like, like a pen like, and a bottle. Of sure, wine. like let's say this is uh, this is Logan's asset and this is Sandy's assets, and you go, "Hey, that's a great phone." Yeah, I've got a pen. Oh, I need something to write with. Do you? My phone. What doesn't do you think? Do that. What do you think about swapping these and then? And then we're good. And then Spit you would on your hand, and then, but then you would come back and say, "Wait, hold on a second. A phone is like at least a couple bucks more expensive than a pen, depending on what kind of pen it is." Uh, that's not. And then you get into the negotiation of the swap of the assets to value them. That's why I spend all the money I make at the
0: ringer on pens. Yes. Because that way they're, they're worth as much as phones. That's right. And then if I get into a situation like this, I can be like, no, sir. All right, Succession is nothing if not a burn festival. Oh, it's Burning Pants. Man. So let's just throw out some of our favorite burns from this week. Jason, why don't you go
1: first? Uh, Kendall encounters Stewie after not seeing him for an unknown period of time since pulling out of the deal. Uh, and Stewie's, and he makes an excuse for why his dad is not at the meeting. He says, he's got an important call he has to make. And Stewie says, had to make an important call? That's like a 1987 power move, dude. What are you, like, his Sherpa now? You're like the skull tied to his belt <laughs> That is me. It's like skull time. This Kendall
0: does, at this point, look like a skull yeah, on a guy's just belt. Just a
1: decapitated trophy that Logan carries around.
0: Kevin ta- Ke- Kendall takes it from all sides in this episode, feel... especially from his siblings, yes. as per usual. And my favorite is in at the beach house this or at great. the Summer Palace. Kendall reintroduces himself to his brother and sister. <laughs> Obviously, they can see that he's been going through a really hard time. Yeah. And Shiv says... Dad is going to play a merry tune on you and then throw you out the fucking window to which Roman says he's like a sex robot robot for dad to fuck Shiv he's an old beaten dog Roman he's both of those things and also a piece of shit This show is the best thing it's on It's really television. an
1: incredible show. I love when she calls him pure carcass. <laughs> What do you think is the line of the week, though, outside of the Burning Man? Who? Well, I'm going to go... This is... uh, So, obviously, Roman uh, blew up a (laughs) a rocket (laughs) last season, (laughs) which luckily did not cause any deaths, but did cause the loss of two thumbs from workers on the rocket. And he's uh, having the press conference to announce the investigation, and he says... He's asked some questions about it, and he says... You know, obviously, blah, blah, blah. I don't want to say too much. And then he says, I don't want to be facetious, but I'm not a rocket scientist. <laughs> Two guys lost fingers in this accident, and Roman's out here just with jokes. Roman had a
0: great episode. Roman's yeah. press conference was amazing. Roman's explanation to his dad about what they should do oh to my repel God. the hostile takeover from from Stewie uh, and Sandy was as in Scooby-Doo it, dress it up like a ghost in a theme park, Use the lawyers, the PIs, the honey trap hookers, all the unpleasant people at our disposal. Call in all the favors. Fucking President Raisin, the Senate cocksuckers who owe us. Fucking kill, kill, kill. kill, kill. kill. That's Deadwood good. Yeah, that's good. Uh, we, for our last category, we're just gonna talk a little bit each week about rich guy shit because we love watching people be disgusting Marie Antoinettes on the yes. show. The let them eat cake, crazy rich moment of the week. Jason, which one's yours?
1: Uh, I don't think anything tops Connor (laughs) (laughs) taking a text from his Napoleonica dealer uh, about buying, you know, a shipment that includes, does not, includes, is not all, but includes uh, Napoleon's dried penis. Yeah, yeah. Which... To be fair, is not anything a serious collector is interested in, but is a, a curio,
0: yeah, um, it's pretty amazing. I also want to just point out the uh, long thirty-second montage mm. of all the marbled steaks yeah. and fresh lobster being hand-selected by the catering staff, the chefs, and then all of that stuff getting dumped in a trash can for pizza. And I thought it was crucial that Kendall watched that. Yeah. Because I think Kendall is still ultimately somewhat disgusted by his own family, but they toss it all in the trash because it st- it has the stink on it.
1: I think that's one of the things that this show does so well that I was really impressed with last season. It's hard to do a show about wealth and bad people without glorifying it, but like this show really just is like, look at how bad this yeah. is. Look at how terrible this is. Yeah. Wealth is an illness sometimes. Yeah. Uh, let's do season predictions before we
0: wrap up. Mm. Uh, I think, I'll, I'll just sort yes, of circle hear- back to the Shiv one, which is that I think Shiv is going to be the main adversary of I this love season. it.
1: I will go with, you know, we don't know what Logan told Roman at the end before he left. Oh, yeah. Do we think he told Roman something similar? and, and the same, Like the same thing as Shiv. The same kind of deal, and is just like, don't tell anybody? That is my prediction, is he offered something very similar to Roman and told him, keep it quiet. There's a betrayal coming.
0: We'll be here all season after every episode of season two of Succession. You can watch us here on Number One Boys. Thanks for checking us out. Get me some Park Coke.